Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you're blessed by today's message. Don't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Isn't that a wonderful purpose of God to save people, save his people from their sins? Everything that a person had done which was wrong and it caused guilt in his conscience, everything would be forgiven. He is going to save his people from their sins. Feeling guilt in our hearts is rather painful, isn't it, when we do something wrong or we fail to do something right. And the Bible says that all of us have done that. We're all in the same boat. We've done things that are wrong and displeased God. And we feel guilty. But Jesus came to to save his people from their sins. That's the one, one reason. Number two. We read in Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God, our Father. To rescue us from this present evil age. When you look out in the world, when you listen to the news, when you hear things happening round about, would you agree that we live in a present, in this present evil age? And Jesus came, it says, to rescue us from this present evil age so that we won't be cast down by it, we won't be have our lives ruined by it, but rather we'll be saved from it. We'll have a different life. We'll have a new life from the Lord and be rescued from this present evil age. Rescued from the, the bondage that we experience, that people have habits that can't be broken, lies that come and we, we disregard God and go all astray, we'll be rescued from this present evil age. Number three, in Romans chapter 7, verses 22 to 25, we read, of another problem that you and I all face. 
For in my inner being, I delight to do God's will. I really want to do what's right. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. The law of sin at work within me. Something wrong inside. What a wretched man I am. What a miserable person I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who will rescue me from this body which is subject to death? And then he cries out, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's come to save us from our sins. He's come to rescue us from this present age and give us a new life. He has come to rescue us from this body of sin so that we're set free, we're able to live pleasing to God, which we never were able to do before. Bible says Jesus came for that purpose. And then number four, this is the worst of all. In Romans chapter 8, uh, sorry, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, we read this. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified, forgiven, made clean, made righteous by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? How much more will we be saved from God's wrath? The Bible tells us not only of the ecstasy of salvation, the ecstasy of knowing God and having our lives transformed, it tells us very clearly that God is angry and a day of judgment is coming. But he came to rescue us from, to save us from God's wrath. Now, let's have a look particularly at this, the worst of all possibilities, falling into the hands of the living God and being judged and condemned. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, we read that the wrath of God is being revealed against all the ungodly, all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth in their wickedness. God is angry because of wickedness and godlessness. Those of, uh, many of you, I'm sure, are parents. Uh, when your children were young, did you sometimes get angry with them and have to punish them? But you loved them at the same time. And if you loved them and had not punished them, that would not, not have done them any good at all. 
God is love, but we also read that he's a God who gets angry. He doesn't, he doesn't get angry the way some of us get angry and suddenly fly off the, 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 fly off the handle. <laughs> That's the right expression, isn't it? Or lose our temper and just get crazy and, and get angry. God isn't like that. God controls his anger perfectly. He knows exactly how to apply his anger to work his wonderful purposes in your life and mine. So let's look at some of them. Romans tells us that the wrath of God is being revealed. It's being revealed now in this present age. How is it being revealed? I've noted three, three ways that God's anger is revealed in our days. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 24, we read that because of this, because of his anger against godliness, godliness, godlessness and wickedness, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. God gave them over. God gave them what they wanted, what they asked for. They refused to believe in him, to trust in him. God gave them over to immoral lives that are not satisfying to them or anybody else, to wickedness. And we, we see that in the world round about us. That's an evidence of the wrath of God, according to the Bible here. Number two, in Romans 12 and verse 19, here's an application concerning us. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, when it's natural, isn't it? If somebody, if somebody uh, swears at me, my natural instinct would be I swear back at them or do something to gain revenge. If somebody steals something from me, I try to get even with them, or whatever. That's natural, our sinful nature, isn't it? But here we're told, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Let God do the revenging. We don't have to take any revenge whatsoever. God says he will do that. What a different life that is. For it is written... God says, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So, those of us who are seeking to obey the Lord, his word to us is, don't take revenge. You don't have to get even with anybody. God will do that. He'll, he'll do the judge. And God knows exactly what to do. He deals perfectly. We can trust him. So we don't take revenge. Number three. In Romans chapter 13 and verse 4, we read this. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. 
talking about being obedient to those whom God has put in authority over us, the governments, the police, and so on. All the authorities over us. It says, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath. Agents of God's wrath. don't know if we'd ever really thought of uh, a policeman as being an agent of God's wrath, if we do wrong. God's wrath is being demonstrated, and so he, de he demonstrates it in those three ways. First, he lets people have what they ask for if they don't want his will, and he turns them over to immorality and the sexual immorality and all kinds of problems, because that's uh, his first way of demonstrating his wrath. Secondly, he does the getting even. He repays. We don't have to repay anything. The Lord in his wise wrath, gets revenge, takes revenge. And then, finally, the governments, the police, the authorities over us, our bosses, our schoolmasters, whoever God has put over us, they are God's agents, his agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So let's sub gladly submit to the authorities that God has put over us. Those are the ways, some of the ways that the Bible says God's wrath is being demonstrated in our present day. But it's not just in our present day. There's the age to come. There's the day of God's wrath, which is to come. When John the Baptist, who was the last prophet before Jesus was born, or con contemporary with Jesus, when he started preaching, he said, you, you group of brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the coming wrath? God's wrath is coming. The day of judgment is coming. That's the agony. And we want to look at it and it tells us that Jesus saves us from that wonderfully. So let's have a good look at that. The end of the age. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 5, I'm, I'm jumping all around. Um, hope you'll forgive me for that. They're kindly being put up on the screen and there's a copy of all this available for you if you like before 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 you leave. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 5, we read, because of the stubbornness, thank you, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Our natural instinct is to 
try to lay up treasures on the earth, isn't it? If we don't know the Lord and are not trusting him to care for us, then we try to collect as much as possible, uh, get as rich as we can, have as much success as we can have in this present life, gather it all together. The Apostle Paul tells us here that when you're doing wrong, you're gathering up judgment against yourself. Turn from it. Turn to the Lord while we have the chance rather than gathering up against ourselves for the day of God's wrath. And then in Matthew chapter 7, sorry, chapter 3 and verse 7, we read this. Uh, this is what uh, John is about John the Baptist. When John the Baptist saw Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? We know in our hearts that a just God, a holy God, a righteous God, must bring judgment. And we, we read so much of the day of judgment. That's the agony but the ecstasy is available to us, and that's why we've come today. That's why we want to hear the good news, because the ecstasy, ecstasy, the joy, is available to us. Next, in Luke chapter 23, we, we were singing about Jesus being crucified, and we can imagine... Or I think we can hardly imagine what an agony Jesus went through. Being, he was tried, and the, gov the Roman governor, Pilate, uh, asked him questions and tested him. And three times he came out to the crowd and he said, This man is innocent. I find nothing wrong with him. But the crowd shouted, Away with him! Crucify him! We don't want him! And finally, he washed his hands and said, I'm having nothing to do with this, just you go ahead with it. And he was on his way out of the city, on his way to a hill called Calvary, carrying his cross, but he, he was so beaten up, he had been slashed on the back with whips and had a crown of thorns on his head and he was so desperately weak because of that they had to give the cross to somebody else to carry because Jesus was too weak and there were people weeping we read here Jesus turned to them the, there were uh, big crowds following Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. How could he possibly say, Don't weep for me. Don't be sorry for me. Was it not because the Lord Jesus knew that he was doing exactly what God, his Father, had purposed for him to do. He knew that his, his life had been lived in total obedience to God. He was suffering in order to save you and me. And, in fact, 
although he went through unutterable suffering, being nailed to the cross and so on, he knew that he was going to be raised from the dead. He had told his followers very clearly on three different occasions. On the third day, I will be raised from the dead. And he knew that he was going back to heaven. He was going back to his father. And though he was suffering so much, he said, don't, don't be sorry for me. That is, uh, don't be sorry for me. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the suffering of the cross because he knew that he was going back to his father and he was going to be crowned as Lord of all and reign forever and ever. And that's, we've been praising God because of that. That's the, that's the joy. That's the ecstasy. And so he could endure even the suffering of the cross. He said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves because trouble is coming. Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come, and I have to admit, I, I've been pondering this and wondering just what he means. Uh, like many other things in the Bible, I have to admit, I don't fully understand them yet, but I know they're from God, and the more I understand, the more wonderful it is. The time will come when they say, Blessed are the childless, childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say, and this is a, certainly a time of agony, fall on us and to the hills. They say to the mountains, fall on us. Oh, fall on us. Get us out of here. Annihilate us. It's better than what's coming with the wrath of God. That's what Jesus said to them. And then in the book of the Revelation, we have a little picture of this happening. In Revelation chapter 6, if you're familiar at all with the last book of the Bible, the Revelation, you know that the, John the Apostle saw in heaven the, the glory of God and the throne and the Lamb, Jesus, sitting beside the throne. And Jesus was authorized to break the seals of, of the seven scrolls, which would reveal what's happening in the future. And when he broke the sixth seal, we read this. Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, all the great people of the, earth, of the world, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Hide us, fall on us, wipe us out, don't let us face the wrath, the anger of God and of the Lamb. 
for the great day of their wrath has come. And who can withstand it? Why does the Bible tell us this? Surely because God loves you and me so much that he doesn't want us to face that. He's provided a way out. He's provided one way out through Jesus who was born. Uh, we don't know whether he was born on the 25th of, of December. That's, we're not sure of that, but we know that he was born. And he came to seek and to save what was lost. I want to conclude by just uh, reading a few verses which give assurance to anyone who trusts in Jesus Christ, assurance that he will save us from God's wrath. We won't face, we won't have to cry out to the mountains to fall on us or to the rocks to crush us down. But we shall have eternal joy and glory, the ecstasy. First Thessalonians 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul was writing to a, a young church uh, in the days when the church was beginning. People in a, a town in Greece called Thessalonica. And he says, <clears throat> They tell us how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven. He's coming back as we were singing. To wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. There is no other name, the Bible tells us, no other name under heaven given amongst men by which, which we must be saved. The name Jesus, he's the one, he's able to do it. And he's done it for many of us here, and we could share uh, the wonderful joy that we have even now in knowing him. Next uh, verse for assurance, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He will also keep you, that is God, God will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. If he's called us and we've responded and believed, God is faithful. He will keep us. He's promised. That is the joy set before us. Or Romans chapter 5 and verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, his blood has taken away our sins. Jesus paid the penalty and we are set free. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? If he's done that already in our lives, how much more will he save us from God's wrath for all eternity? He will save us from God's wrath. We don't need to fear anymore that terrible agony of having to face the wrath of, God, of a righteous and holy God. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. That wasn't God's purpose for 
us who trust in the Lord, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He hasn't appointed you and me who have believed in Christ, whose trust is in him alone, in him alone, and because of the, the shedding of his blood, he's not appointed us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then just to finish, in Jude chapter, uh, there's only one chapter, Jude is the shortest book of the Bible. The Bible, as many of you know, is, is made up of 66 different books. Uh, written by, for example, Moses, David, the different prophets, the evangelist John, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and so on. And uh, Jude, the book of Jude, just one chapter, the last two verses. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling, Sometimes we worry. Sometimes we're concerned. Am I able to continue? This Christian life is pretty tough at times. Following the Lord is not very popular in the world today. But he is able to keep us from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. There's the ecstasy when we meet with him finally. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. I didn't know that you dear friends of Akash and... Uh, or Rafik, as many of you know him. Uh, we're going to be here when the, I believe God led me to, to just look at this theme for this morning. But we're all faced with this reality. And we're just going to sing a song in a minute, by the way. Uh, if the singers want to get ready for us. We, we all face the same possible agony and the same possible ecstasy through faith. It all depends. It's uh, our response to the living God. Do we receive the one whom he sent and trust him? Or do we say, no, I'm going my own way and we'll be experiencing the wrath of God being poured out on us in different ways, but facing on the day of judgment that terrible agony. The Lord wants to deliver each one of us, and that's why we're here this morning. But, and he is able to do that. Personally, on April, April 16th, 1950, at about four in the afternoon, the Lord came into my heart just out of his mercy. I hadn't known the way of the Lord until just recently before that. I'd been going to church, but I went to a church where 
this book wasn't open very much and we didn't hear anything really of the truth. We just heard nice stories and uh, stories about people doing various things. But when I was led to put my trust in Jesus, then he came and changed my life. And he's done that for many others here. Let's, uh, each one of us, say to the Lord, you are faithful, you are holy, you are righteous, your judgments are, are correct, you are, you are right to be angry. And we know that you're angry because you love us and you want us to be saved. So let's respond to the Lord and we'll close by singing a nice song together that uh, has been prepared for us. And then afterwards, as Robson has advised us, we're welcome to stay and, and have some refreshment and share with each other. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website, www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Camrose Baptist Church Edgeware.